So last week, we began to talk about prayer that gets results. How many of you enjoyed that? We started talking about prayer that gets results, and we mentioned three key points. I said to you that if you want to pray a prayer that gets results, you must be specific. Do you remember that? You must be specific, and then secondly, you must pray according to God's will, and then thirdly, you must pray an earnest, heartfelt, fervent prayer. So there's fervency, there's the will of God, and there's being specific in prayer. Amen. Many people pray, but they don't get results. Why don't they get results? They don't pray according to the word. What does the word tell us? Lots of things. What am I going to be sharing with you? That. Okay. So number four, the fourth thing that will catapult your prayers in terms of effectiveness in prayer is when you guard your heart. It's your heart motive with regards to prayer. A lot of our prayers are not answered because the motive is wrong. Amen. In the book of Jeremiah, the Bible tells us, it says, God examines the mind and judges the heart to reward each man according to his conduct. How are we rewarded? Looks at the heart. Looks at the heart. You can have two people doing the exact, the exact same thing. The exact same thing. But their reward from heaven is different. Because your heart posture determines your reward. Amen? You can have two people giving the same amount, but because the heart is in a different place, one gets a reward, the other one doesn't. Amen? James chapter 4, I'm going to read from verse 3. It says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Have you ever wondered why sometimes your prayers are not answered? This is one of the reasons. When you ask, you do not receive. How many of you have received everything that you've asked for? No, we haven't always, right? What's one of the main reasons? It says you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So I don't know about you, but I'm interested. Based on this scripture, I'm interested in checking my motives. That's why David, when he prayed, what did he say? He says, Lord, search my heart to see if there's any wicked way within me. Some people think there's no wicked way within them. The Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful, wicked above all else. Amen? So it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian for. It doesn't matter how spiritual you think you are. A powerful prayer to pray is, Lord, search my heart to make sure that my motives are pure. Amen. Amen. I was running the other day, and as I was running, I, um, I had to stop previously because I was having problems with my knees. And so this time around, when I resumed my running, I was running, and I was saying, Lord, I'm believing you that your grace will carry me, and I won't have any knee problems because that will be so demotivating. But I quickly checked my heart and I said, Lord, I'd been meditating on this principle, right? Lord, is the reason I'm praying that I'm successful in my running, are the motives correct? Let me check my heart. Why do I want to get faster? Why do I want to be super fit? Why do I want to reach machine status? Why? I was like, Lord, first, it's good for me physically, right? I want to honor you with my body. Secondly, I know that my wife loves it when I do run with her. It fills a tank. 
She's, she just starts, she's, yeah, she's just bubbly and she just enjoys it when I run with her. And I was just thinking of those motives. It's not to show off. It's not to show off and come back to the church and say, guys, you know what my time is? Remember that time you guys laughed at me when I said I was a super athlete at school? Now you see, check out my time, right? It's not because I want to be, I feel excluded and I want to be with the guys who are doing Soweto Marathon today. No. So after checking my heart, it gave me a boldness when it came to praying that prayer. Amen? And I knew that God's grace would sustain me. I'm giving an example from an everyday situation. My question to you is, what are your motives when you pray? Spend time to check your heart. And then when you see that your heart is pure, then you can pray very strong prayers. Amen. I find it very interesting that he says, you ask with wrong motives. And the first example he gives of wrong motives, he says, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. How many of you want to become very wealthy? Just want to see. Okay? When you think of the wealth that you want to create, what's the primary thing on your mind? Is it God's kingdom? There, you've been trapped by your pastor. Is it God's kingdom? Or is it that you may spend what you get on your pleasures? Or are you saying, Lord, I want to be a kingdom financier because I see so many good causes out there. Lord, I want to create businesses that employ lots of people because we've got a problem, problem in the nation when it comes to job creation. I want to be a solution, Lord. Lord, I want to be a solution. I see churches that need buildings. I know one business person who got a word that God would use them to build buildings for churches. Okay, not in this church, someone from another church, all right? I'm hoping someone in this church has that vision, right? What, what, what's on your mind when you think of your wealth? You see, many of us, when we visualize ourselves as wealthy, we just think of what we will get. We don't think of what we will give. How many of you have visualized yourself giving away much? How many of you have visualized yourself in situations where you feel like, Lord, if you just gave me this money, before it's even come, you already have a vision of how you're going to give it. Amen? Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, is God against us enjoying life. No, because some people think that that's what Christianity is. Some people, you see them laughing, joking when they're in the car park. As soon as they get into the church building, it's like they've been baptized in lemon juice. You know those people. You look at their face, and then they say, no, I'm actually happy. I'm actually happy, pastor. And I think to myself, if your heart is that happy, then you need to send the memo to your face, because your face isn't catching on to what's going on in your heart. Amen? It's not registering. Somewhere along the line, there's, there's a, something is short-circuiting. Amen? The Bible says that God has blessed us, right, with all things together for our enjoyment. He wants you to enjoy life, but he wants you to work on your motives to put his kingdom first. Amen? So this scripture is clear that one of the biggest barriers to unanswered prayer is praying with the wrong motives. The blessing of God can destroy you. Do you know that? The blessing of God can destroy you if you do not have the character to contain it. So it's crucial for every believer 
every believer, not just in this church, every believer in the whole world, to know the purpose of prosperity. That's why we talk about prosperity with a purpose. Because if you don't know the purpose of prosperity, your prosperity, if it's financial, can destroy you. You know, there are those people who pray and pray and pray and pray, Lord, for a breakthrough. Once they get the breakthrough, you don't see them at church. It happens a lot. Once they have the breakthrough, you don't see them at church. Why? Because the breakthrough was an end in itself. That was the goal. Amen? How many of you know that true wealth results in you gaining more time? The Bible says godly riches do not come with sorrow. Godly riches do not add sorrow. So if you've become more financially wealthy, but you're sad and you're miserable and your marriage is breaking down and your children aren't listening to you, you haven't truly prospered. Because if you look in scripture, there are different dimensions of prosperity. There's relational prosperity. There's prosperity in terms of your health. Amen? There's prosperity in terms of your mind. There's prosperity in terms of your soul. That's why the Bible says, I pray that you may prosper as your soul prospers. Everything in the kingdom is internal first. It goes internal, then external. So God wants to do a work in us internally first, and then we'll see the manifestation on the outside. Amen. It's very dangerous when you prosper financially, externally, but you're not prospering internally. Is everyone getting this this morning? Okay. One definition of prosperity that I like is this. Prosperity is having everything you need in order to do what God wants you to do. Having everything you need in order to do what God wants you to do. So just because you don't have a private jet or some kind of uh, spaceship that goes to the moon doesn't mean that you're not prospering. Amen? Because that's not necessarily your calling. Now, if your calling is to go to the moon, then you need a spaceship. And you haven't really pros prospered if you don't have a spaceship. Amen? So the thing is to find out what has God called me to and I, do I have all the resources I need in order to do what he's called me to do. Amen? What's your motive? Ask yourself, what is driving my behavior? What do I visualize myself doing with the blessing that I'm believing for? What am I visualizing myself doing with it? Is it for me to show off to everyone in my community? That doesn't last. That's not sustainable. What do you do? Okay, you've showed off. You've showed off your fancy car or your fancy house or your fancy clothes, whatever it is you wanted to show off. Then what? You spend the rest of your life doing that, showing off? Amen? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 6, it says, And when you pray, remember we're talking about motives. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full. What is their reward? Being seen by others. So you can choose. You can say, when I'm praying, am I going to do it with the goal and the motive of, check me out, look how spiritual I am. Because if that's my goal and that's my motive, guess what? I'm tying God's hands and God is just like, okay, that's your reward. That's the reward you've chosen. But if I choose to focus on what I'm doing privately and no one is necessarily watching, guess what the Bible tells me? That whatever is done in secret for God, you'll be rewarded openly. Isn't that powerful? I don't know about you, but I don't want to lose my reward by having wrong motives. There's a great prophet 
from the United States. And the Lord spoke to him very powerfully once because there was an intercessor that came to him. And this intercessor said, um, you know, prophet, I just want you to know that I'm really praying for you. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And the Lord spoke to him and said, therein lieth her reward. I don't know if the Lord spoke in King James, okay, but there's her reward, okay? There's her reward. In other words, her motive was, I want to be recognized by this prophet. I want him to know that I'm one of his main intercessors. And the Lord says, that's where, you, that's where her reward is. And you see, he had been grappling with something in his times with the Lord because he had been saying, Lord, these wonderful, great intercessors, why aren't they experiencing breakthrough in their lives? And the Lord answered him by showing him that. That's her reward. Her reward was the fact that you recognized her. Are you hearing me? Ask the Lord Jesus to give you wisdom. What do I say out to people and what do I keep to myself? There are times when I might have been praying for someone and I literally have to search my heart before I actually tell them I was praying for them. Do you know why? Because the heart is wicked and deceitful above all else. You see, there are times I might tell one of you, I might say, I'm praying for you because I want you to agree with me in prayer. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes I'll say, I'm praying for you because I want to encourage you. But the moment I get into a place where I want you to know I'm praying for you so you respect me more, I want you to know I'm praying for you so you like me more, I want you to know I'm praying for you so you think I'm spiritual, I want you to know I'm praying for you so you don't leave the church because you feel bad. Because, oh, but this is the pastor who's been praying for us. I'm wanting you to know I'm praying for you because I want the glory when you get the breakthrough. Whoo! The heart is deceitful and wicked above all else. And that's why if you want to get that reward from heaven, it's so crucial to have a posture where you're saying, Lord, God, my heart. Lord, I'll only say this if you're releasing me to say it. Amen? I'd rather be rewarded by God than come up with my own fabricated reward system. Amen? It says, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. In other words, there's no other reward they'll get for those prayers. It didn't say the prayers were wrong. It says the motive was wrong. It doesn't criticize how they were praying. It doesn't say they were praying the wrong thing. They were using the wrong formula. He just says their motive was wrong. And because it was wrong, they've received their reward in full. What does in full mean? How many of you have been in a situation where you're hoping to get paid more by a client and then you see a statement coming and you realize that they've already paid everything? Or you see them, you know, send, sending payment, you know, with the receipt and then they stamp it, paid in full. What does that mean? It means we don't owe you anything else. And that's what God is saying. He's saying, I don't owe these people anything else. There's some of you where God owes you. Are you hearing me? Some of you haven't yet received your harvest because the harvest, the reward, is not always immediate. Some of you, God still owes you. And you can, you can trust him saying, God, I thank you. I know that my reward is coming from you. The Bible says, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord. But how many of you know that sometimes when you lend money to someone, there's that gap, that period, before it comes to you. Amen? For some of you, harvest time has not yet come. Now here's where you have to be careful. Don't, sh don't short circuit 
what God now wants to do because you are now striving to get a reward in your own way. Are you hearing me this morning? For some of you, the harvest is there. It's about to come. But maybe because of the state of your heart motive and the other demands you might now make on people around you, you will miss out on the harvest. Is everyone following this morning? I'm explaining to you the technology of answered prayer. This is, a, this is a personal journey I've been on because I was like, Lord, your word says this. Why am I not seeing this? Lord, may you teach me your mysteries. Amen? May you teach me your mysteries. And this is one of them. It's to do with heart motive. He says, I tell you, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, this is the key, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret. So there are other things he doesn't see. Who sees what is done in secret. Who notices. That's not just a normal type of seeing like he observed. Of course, God sees everything, right? God is omniscient. He knows everything. He sees everything. But there's a type of seeing where he sees and he rewards. Is everyone following? One of the places he sees is in secret. Some translations say, your father who is in secret. Your father who's in that secret place. He sees what you're doing and he rewards you. It's a very powerful seeing. It's a seeing that's, that's as a result of looking for. How many of you know that God is looking for those who are in the secret place? That's why the Bible says, the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro across the earth, looking for those whose hearts are perfect toward him. That word perfect means wholly committed to him. He's looking for those people. And when he then sees that person, whether it's you, Tandi, whether it's you, Selena, whether it's you, Lerato, right? When he sees that person, he rewards. Isn't that powerful? How many of you want to be seen by God? Not just seen, but seen. <laughs> okay how many of you know that often if you go to a wedding there's one type of seeing then there's another type of seeing for example sometimes we'll go to, I'll go to a wedding and my wife afterwards might say to me so what is the bride wearing did you see her yeah I saw her so what was she wearing <sighs> it was it, it was white <laughs> oh, but, but how, what did it look like was it long was it short was it how, how did uh, it was just maropeng. Maropeng was just, it was maropeng. <laughs> All right? The point I'm making is this. They're seeing and they're seeing. And you want to be the kind of believer when you pray, you know that heaven notices. You want to be the kind of believer where you know that heaven is not just seeing, but seeing. Pastor, did you see me when I came to church? I'm sure our eyes kind of met somewhere along the line, but I said, Pastor, tell me, so what was I wearing? Ah, you were there. I know you were there. Did you see? I only saw Joan and Cindy because they were matching. I noticed them. I saw them. But hey, you guys, you ah, I don't know. They're seeing and they're seeing. Are you following this morning? I want to pray prayers that are recognized in heaven. Here's the mystery. Here's the mystery. It says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who's unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. What's the reward of this? What's the reward? 
The first dimension of it is he will answer that prayer. How many of you know that answered prayer is a reward? And over and above the request you've made, because his name is El Shaddai, he's the God who's more than enough. He rewards you beyond just the answer to that prayer. The Bible tells me in, a, in the book of Ephesians that he'll grant me more than I can ask for or imagine. We'll talk about that next week. Very powerful concept. He will grant me more than I am asking for or imagining. We'll talk about the power of the imagination next week. Amen. A lot of intercessors lose their reward because they're looking for it in the wrong place. Don't pray to be seen. Amen. Don't pray in order to get a reward from man. Don't pray in order to be recognized. Trust God for his reward. You know what happens? When you trust God and when you pray with the right heart motive, God will entrust you with more of his secrets and more significant burdens to pray through. You know that? In other words, right now you're praying for the city. You're praying for the city and you're faithfully praying for the city. If you do it with the right heart motive, God then says, you know what? Let me reveal to you something about the nation. Then he shows you things about the nation. Now you're praying for the nation. Ah, oh, you've been faithful with that. Let me reveal to you something about nations of the world, governments, presidents. Oh, then he shows you things about nations of the world, governments. And then you find that as time goes by, you've been called to be a prophet, but now he releases you to be a prophet to nations. He starts showing you things concerning nations. Amen? There are times when I've been in prayer and he starts literally giving me, I'm praying in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in tongues. Then I start saying some funny word and I start thinking to myself, what am I saying? Then I look it up and I see that, oh, it's actually a city in another country. And then I start praying for that city in the other country. And then around that season, I'm invited to that area, that region. Are you, are you hearing what I'm talking about? Okay, I'm not talking theory here. I remember there would be times when I would just be praying, 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 and all of a sudden I start seeing country flags before me, country flags. I'm like, now I grew up playing those games. I don't know if you guys had them here, but where you had chewing gum and then you had flags, with those cards with flags and you'd play with them and so on, right? And so I grew up knowing a lot of flags. And I'm like, why am I seeing the flag of Scotland? What do I have to do with Scotland? Yes, I'm a Man United fan. Yes, you know, Sir Alex was from Scotland and so on. But, I mean, that's the only link. What other link do I have with Scotland? And God starts giving me flags of nations. Kenya, Scotland, all these nations. UK. I'm like, why am, why am I spending this time praying for nations? You know what happens? God loves it when you pray for situations that have got nothing to do with you. And the more you do that, and the more you do it privately, just getting on with it, no one ever knows. I'm just telling you guys by way of example, guess what happens? You start experiencing all sorts of rewards, and you start gaining spiritual authority in those very regions. Amen? The very regions you're praying for. And then don't be surprised, now when you want to do business in that area, things happen. When other people want to do business and they ask you for advice and so on, there's an authority you have about that region. Amen? Spiritual authority, I'm not talking about the believer's authority that we all have. Spiritual authority in a region is gained very often to the degree to which we lay down our lives on behalf of that region. And one of the key ways of laying down your life for a region is praying for it. Amen? So you pray for the little things. You pray for your family. You pray for your kids. You pray for the people around you. 
But then move on from that as God gives you his burden. And prayer becomes easier when you have a burden to pray through. Amen? Ever tried praying and you've got no burden? It's like, yo, what do I pray for, Lord? Hey, I want to be a prayer warrior who prays for a long time, but what do I pray for? Ever tried praying when God gives you a burden? It's like there's no time. You're just releasing, releasing, releasing the burden. Amen? Are you getting something this morning? Okay. Motives are so important. Why do you want your prayers answered? Is it so that you have a 100% track record of answered prayer? You know, sometimes when you're praying for the sick, it's easy to pray for people and have no compassion for them. The Bible says, Jesus looked at the rich man and loved him. How many of you know that our love for people becomes the bridge for the anointing? Amen? Make sure whenever you're ministering to people, healing the sick, make sure that there's love that's always flowing. When you're interceding, that there's love that's always flowing. It's very easy to pray for people because you want a 100% track record. You become so enthusiastic. You have to be healed. You have to be healed. Because it's more about your ego. Because you want to say, I prayed for a person with this type of sickness and they got healed. What are your motives? Is everyone listening? What are your motives? Okay. You see, when you're, when you're a minister of healing or breakthrough, you can be motivated by pride. Recently, I cried out to God for breakthrough and had to say, Lord, this breakthrough that I'm crying out to you for, for these people, is not because of my ego, but please have mercy on them and show them your compassion. Here's the principle. Prayer is not a performance. Please say to the person next to you, prayer is not a performance. So that, that's point number four. Guard your heart motive in prayer and you will see results. Amen. Number five, put God's kingdom first on your agenda. Put God's kingdom first on your agenda. Now this is something we talk about a lot, don't we, in church circles. Let's put the kingdom first. Let's put the kingdom first. Okay. Can we unpack it, please? Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I love this scripture, and it's a scripture most of us here are familiar with, right? That word seek, when it says seek first the kingdom of God, that word seek means desire. In other words, desire first. Desire first the kingdom of God. Is everyone following? It's also an interesting word because it also means to diligently investigate until you come to a resolution. In other words, research the kingdom of God first. Investigate the kingdom of God first. Study the kingdom of God first. And all these things will be added to you. I don't know about you, but I'm very interested in the mysteries of God's kingdom. Amen? When Jesus would say to his disciples, hey guys, let me tell you, what can I liken the kingdom of God with? And then he starts talking to them, I wish I was there just listening to all the other extra stuff he said that's not even in the Bible. Amen? There must be something in us that desires and investigates the kingdom of God first. So here's my question to you. What would your life look like if the kingdom of God was first? And this should be an attractive scripture for us because it says, and all these things will be added to you. How many of you want things to be added to you? How many of you kind of look around and kind of feel like this is not enough? I need more, Lord. 
How many of you are common prayer, you pray is, more Lord, more Lord. <laughs> How many of you are like, Lord, I'm grateful for what you've given me, but, but, but just more, please. <laughs> okay, we've all been there, right? We've all been there. Well, if you want things to be added to you, seek first the kingdom of God. Do you know why? Because kingdom wealth and kingdom abundance is to do with stewardship. And God is more interested in your character than your comfort. So if you have a whole lot of things added to you, but you haven't sought the kingdom first, it destroys you. Is everyone following? I don't know about you. I want to be that person where I'm so kingdom focused that God can do so many wonderful things where he just gives me this, gives me that, give me that, but the things don't change me. I've seen too many Christians who are changed by the things that are added to them. So the thing to do when you're praying is to show God that, Lord, you can trust me with this stuff. Amen? Lord, you can trust me with this stuff. And I'm telling you, when you've been pastoring for some time, you see the pattern. I don't, often, I don't necessarily talk to the people about it, but I see the pattern. I even see how certain people would walk differently. I'm not exaggerating. When their bank balance was doing well, they would walk a certain way. They would update you a certain way. There's a new level of confidence that would ha- they would have. And then when things are not going great, you just see it on the person's face. And you see it in their posture. I don't know about you, but my joy must be based on Jesus, not on a bank account. I don't want to be changed by the things that are added to me. One of the reasons why a lot of Christians who are... I'm just going to be honest. Some people might not like it. A lot of, um, what word can I use? <sighs> ah, Christians are too sensitive sometimes. You know, the, I must just be honest. Thank you, Brother Jimmy. I've been released by Brother Jimmy. Problem with a lot of black Christians, right? <laughs> you, know, you know what the problem is? As soon as people get money, they have to spend it. As soon as people get money, they have to spend it. And it's a problem we have with people. And technically speaking, it's not, it's not just black people. Technically speaking, it's people who've been oppressed before, right? Wherever they are in the world. Because what tends to happen, and, and by the, uh, what I'm sharing with you is based on research, by the way. Okay, it's called traits due to victimization. So anyone who's been victimized before, when they now get to a place of success, and many of them get to that place of success because of traits due to victimization. I want to prove to people that I can actually do it. Then they overcompensate. And then once they're in that place of success, it's now, let me maximize and show everyone around me that I've made it. So what are the symbols of success? I must now attach them all to me. Are you following? But if your heart is not right... If you haven't sought first the kingdom of God, those things will destroy you. I was speaking to a particular person who's a wealth coach, and she was telling me some very interesting stuff. The lady who does the show with me, Ilza Albert, who does the TV show with me, she's also a wealth coach. And what she saw interesting in this country, she saw a pattern where with a lot of the affluent black people in this nation, the, the success and the wealth wasn't being passed on to the next generation. Because what was happening is people become successful, then they spoil their kids. And then the kids don't know how to make the money. The kids are spoiled, and you find that the kids end up spending it, doing all sorts of things, and squandering it, and they don't know how to take it to the next generation. Are you following what I'm, what, what I'm talking about? 
That's why when I look at people like, uh, like Kume and I hear her testimony when she shared it at the business uh, forum and then she talk, talked about how she is now where she's at. And what did she say? She spoke about her father, Chris. And she said this, 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 this. She spoke about her mother, Chili. This, 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 and this. And it's a classic example of passing on what you have to the next generation. Not just in terms of wealth, but in terms of the skills and the mindset. Is everyone following me? Don't spoil your kids. If you actually look statistically, people who are successful, do you know what one of the common denominators was? They had chores when they were young. They had chores. Just because you've got a helper at home doesn't mean your kids mustn't have chores. Siobhan is thinking, oh, Paul, Pastor Paul, come on, man. You're cramping my style. <laughs> Siobhan knows what her parents are like. She knows what her dad is like. Her dad is now going to be on steroids. Did you hear what the pastor said, guys? Okay, let's implement it. It's about implementation now, guys. It's about implementation. <laughs> That's very important. So let's go a bit deeper into this. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So here's the mystery. There's some things you need to pray for, whilst there are other things that are simply added to you. I don't know about you, but there are a lot of things that I've got in my life that were just added to me. I didn't even pray for them. But I was seeking first the kingdom, and I know that he added them. I remember a word my wife once got from the Lord some years ago. God said to her, take care of what's mine. In other words, the church. Take care of what's mine and I'll take care of what's yours. Sometimes it's about obedience. A lot of people get so caught up in, did I pray the right formula? Just obey. Just obey. This is not even talking about praying. It's saying seek first the kingdom of God. Desire it first. Research it first. Investigate it first. And all the things will be added to you. Let me ask you a question. What things is it talking about? It's not talking about spiritual things, ladies and gentlemen, because if you read the context, whenever you interpret scripture, it's in context, in context, in context. What's the context of this? He's saying, don't be anxious. Don't worry. The Lord knows you need all these things. And he specifically says, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Let me tell you something. Are those things that you'll take to heaven? Will you take your clothes to heaven? I know some of you wish you would, but you're, we're not going to take our clothes to heaven, ladies and gentlemen, all right? Bible here is talking about material things, nice things that we like, and goes on to say something interesting. If you read further, it actually says, these are the things that the pagans desire. Is Jesus saying, don't desire those things? He's not. He's saying, desire first the kingdom. And then the things will be added. There are things that you must desire, and then there are things you must allow to be added. Be very careful about desiring those things. Is everyone following? There are things to desire, that's the kingdom. There are other things to be added. Some of you got that. Okay? That's very crucial. Very, very crucial. Others have things added to them that they insisted on in the flesh. You know that you can get things because you insist on them in the flesh. Remember we spoke about that last week. In your carnal self, you push, push, push. I want this, I want this, I want this. You can end up getting it. But the Bible says that godly riches don't add sorrow. There are certain things you can get that add sorrow. Amen? 
Unfortunately, these things add sorrow to them. Some people are subsequently destroyed by these seemingly good things. In Psalm 37 verse 4, we see a similar scripture. The Bible says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Is something landing? Does God want to give you the desires of your heart? Yes, he does. But what's the key? Delight yourself in the Lord. So here's the question. What does seeking first the kingdom look like in your life? What does delighting yourself in the Lord look like in your life? Let me ask it this way. If you truly sought the Lord, in other words, his kingdom, if you truly sought the kingdom of God first, how different would your life look today? Everyone get that question? If you're an example of someone who seeks first the kingdom of God, how different would your life look like today? Let me break it down so it's a bit easier. If you sought the Lord first in your business, what would your business look like? If you sought the Lord first in spousal selection, what would your spouse look like? No, seriously. You have a lot of, how many singles here? How many singles? Get married, get married, get married. Okay? Want to do some weddings in 2020. Okay, how many singles? Why is it just the single ladies raising their hand? I know they're single guys. Desire? Unless there's something I don't know, my brother. Unless you've not updated me. All right? But here's the point. Here's the point. What would your spouse or your future spouse look like if you sought first the kingdom concerning spousal selection? Would it just be this hunk with rippling muscles, ladies? Tall, dark, and handsome? Or tall, light, and handsome? Whatever you like, okay? Amen? What would the kingdom of God look... What, what, if I sought first the kingdom of God, what would my family look like? If you sought first the kingdom of God concerning your career, what would your career look like? Is everyone following? When you seek first the kingdom of God, it affects decision making and it results in all sorts of things being added to you. Here's the sad thing. There are a lot of people praying very strong prayers, but they're not obeying these scriptures here. They're praying very strong prayers and saying, God, I want my breakthrough, but they're not truly seeking first the kingdom. Lord, I want my breakthrough. Why aren't I receiving it? They have not yet delighted themselves in the Lord. Do you know what to delight looks like? You know what to delight in someone looks like? Have, have you got someone in your life where when you walk into the room, they get very excited and they start smiling? How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know what it's like when you get home and sometimes you look at, you look at your son's face or your daughter's face and you just see it's like they change? It blesses your heart, isn't it? Because you don't feel they tolerate you. You feel they delight in you. How many of you have complained to your spouse before because you arrive home and they're not smiling? I don't know about you, but it really blesses me when I get home and I just see my wife who would have been looking a bit sullen and the moment she sees me, I see a smile. And I feel like, sure, this is the impact I have on her. That was a tip for free for those of you who are married, by the way. <laughs> 
Otherwise, your spouse will be like, do you love me? Of course I do. I'm just busy. Do you love me? Of course I do. Please delight in me. Amen? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Do you know what that looks like? You want to be there in a church service to worship him because you delight in him. To worship together with the saints. Amen? You, you're excited about hearing what he has to say. So you're just desperate to get into the secret place. You're desperate to get into the word. You're delighting yourself in him. And then watch this space. I'm not talking theory. Do you know what? There are times when I might have quite a bit of money. There are times when I don't have much money. But it hasn't seemed to make a difference in terms of God's provision. Because God doesn't provide just through your bank account. Amen? That's one of the things I've seen. And my focus is on, Lord, I will seek first your kingdom. Lord, I will delight in you. Watch this space. Watch this space. And I'm telling you, sometimes the things I see in my life, I wouldn't have even prayed about them. It's the operation of these scriptures here. And sometimes the prayer I would have prayed would have been a very quick one. But it's the operation of these scriptures here. Is everyone following so what does delighting yourself in the Lord look like for you? You know, Solomon put God's agenda first, King Solomon, and was still granted access to so much more than he had requested. Are you doing the things that provoke God to bless you even more than you've requested? People like to quote the scripture, oh, God is El Shaddai, that's one of his names. And then you claim it, claim it, claim it, claim it. But how many of you know that there's a technology to that? When God is, more, is, when God is so big in your life, when you delight yourself in him from an overflow, he's also overflowing to you. Amen? In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5 to 15, it says this, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. God can appear to you in dreams. Let me just say this. There are times when you can be dreaming of something happening, and there are other times when it is actually happening. You understand what I'm saying? So sometimes you can dream that God is giving you a new mantle. It's some, very often it's not just a dream. Very often he's actually giving you a new mantle, right? So there was an impartation that took place in the context of a dream for Solomon. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night, in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Question, what will you ask for? If God says, uh, he appears to you in a dream, and then he says, ask for whatever you want me to give you, what will you ask for? You know what will happen with many people? It's what I said last week. You ask God for bread and God is saying, I want to give you a chain of bakeries. How big is your God? Amen. But look what, look what Solomon does. Look what Solomon does. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant. He starts off with worship. <laughs> this is so powerful. God is saying, ask me whatever you want. He starts off just acknowledging God's goodness and God's kindness. You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued with great kindness to him and have given him a son, i.e. me, right? 
to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I'm only a little child. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I'm only a little child. 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 And you do not know how to, and, and, and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. He knew what his purpose was. He was called to be a king and he was asking for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in order to effectively execute his assignment. Amen? Amen. If God was to ask you today, I can give you anything. What do you want? Ah, Lord, I really like eh, that vehicle over there. It's my dream car, Lord. You've just, you've just demonstrated your carnality. Often my prayer is, Lord, you've called us to a great work. You want to bring reformation on this continent. You want us to disciple nations. Lord, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge. Knowledge is a spirit. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. I began to pray that prayer over myself since about 98 when a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine said, you know what? Isaiah 11 is for you. I believe you need to pray it over your life regularly. Amen. What would you pray? What would you ask God? For who is able to govern this great people of yours? See, if you think you can do it, you won't pray it. The Lord was pleased. Now watch this. This is so powerful. There are certain prayers that please the Lord. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies. In other words, maybe God had experienced this before. <laughs> you know what I mean? The way God is speaking to him, it's almost like, because hey, with other people who I've offered this to, hey, there's that guy over there. I said, hey, so what do you want? And he keeps praying for the death of his enemies. And then there's this other person. Yo, 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 yo. He just wants wealth. That's all he prays for. When he fasts, it's just for wealth. What would God be saying about you right now? Here's what he showed me. There are certain prayers God likes. And there are certain prayers. He's okay with them, but they don't do anything to him. It's like, okay, you, you want that new car. Okay, that's all you'll get. Are you following? But there are certain prayers he likes. I don't know about you. I want to pray those prayers that God likes. Do you know why? They come with other stuff. <laughs> Remember, it's the same God who says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He loves adding beyond our seeking, beyond our request. Because what has he gone to say to Solomon? Solomon didn't ask for wealth, but who became the wealthiest king? <laughs> There's a mystery here. Are you, are you catching something? Right? It says, since you have not asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, in other words, God's agenda, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. So if we're saying, Lord, please make me the wisest person ever, 
Don't even pray that prayer because God has already said there'll never be anyone wiser than Solomon. <laughs> okay? Isn't this powerful? He's asking God for wisdom to administer justice, and then God says, I'll give you the wisdom, but no one will ever exceed you in wisdom. Isn't it awesome when we pray the correct prayer and God gives you so much more? Oh, Lord, I pray for wisdom, Lord God, that, that people will ask me to do leadership seminars, and then I'll build a leadership school that will really help people. And then God comes and says, when it comes to what you do, bro, there'll be no one ever, ever like you, Paul. Imagine that. They're prayers God likes. I want to pray those prayers. He says, I'll give you all these things. Then in verse 13, I love this. I underlined this. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for. Does God sometimes give us things we haven't asked for? Yes, he does. Especially when we ask for stuff he likes us to ask for. He says, both wealth and honor. So that in your lifetime, you'll have no equal among kings. So there might be some people who exceed them later on, you know, right? But in your lifetime, you'll have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David, your father did, I will give you long life. Did he ask for long life? No, right? But if he keeps his decrees, God's decrees, I'll give you long life. Then Solomon awoke and he realized it had been a dream, but it had been a dream where it was reality. Everything, ladies and gentlemen, starts in the spirit realm. Do you know what prayer does? Do you know what prayer does? Prayer is where we take that stuff from the spirit realm and we inject it into the natural realm. Amen? You know what warfare is? Warfare very often is where we enforce God's kingdom onto the earth despite the resistance from the enemy. That's what we're talking about when we talk about warfare. Amen? Some of you are overwhelmed by the resistance of the enemy, so you give up too quickly. When it comes to abundance, when it comes to breakthroughs that we are hungry for, how many of you know that warfare is involved? I feel like I just need to say that. The Bible says, I will, says God says to Cyrus, I will give you hidden riches in dark places. How many of you know that when, when those riches are in dark places, you need spiritual torchlight, a spiritual torchlight to be able to see them because they're in dark places. In other words, how God wants to prosper you isn't always obvious to the naked eye. But you need spiritual discernment like what Solomon prayed for in order to access it because it's hidden. Amen? When we talk about dark places, we're not just talking about things that are hidden, but we're also talking about warfare being required. That's why the Bible says that it is I, the Lord, who gives you the power to create wealth. Why do we need powerful wealth creation? Why do we need an anointing for wealth creation? Because of resistance. Amen? That was for someone. Which prayers does God honor in your life? God sometimes shows me country flags I mentioned earlier on to pray for nations. I know there's a reward for that. He will cover me in my personal desires and the other things that I want. He will sort that out. But my job is to seek him first. Amen? What is God's primary agenda for your life? Find out what it is and prioritize those types of prayers that build into his mission and his priority. And when you do this, I promise you, he knows the desires of your heart and he grants them to you. Amen? Finally, number six. If we want 
prayers that we know will be answered by God, prayers that get results, we must walk in humility and brokenness. We must walk in humility and brokenness. You see, in our prayers, we need to do things that attract the favor of God. How many of you know that there's God's grace, but there's also God's favor? And God's favor is not an automatic thing. Many people confuse this. Many people think, oh, God's favor is on everyone. Oh, it's, all, it's just a blanket thing. Uh-uh. If you study scripture and if you study the technology of God's favor, you'll notice that he actually says, you know what? I will give grace to the humble, but I'll resist the proud. So there are certain things that you can do that activate the favor of God. Are you following me? When it comes to our salvation, we don't have a works mentality. We are saved by grace. When it comes to walking in divine favor, there are certain things that you do that trigger the favor of God. Is everyone following? And there's some people like, no, 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 God just does it. God does all of it. God, God. So why are some people walking in his favor and other people aren't? It's not God who's biased. Bible says, I'm the Lord who raises up one and puts down another. In other words, God promotes and demotes. Amen? Amen. It's, a, it's a scary place to be where God demotes you, ladies and gentlemen. Throughout scripture, there are specific acts that involve and attract God's favor. Specific acts. There are accelerations in the spirit because of favor. When God's favor is on your life, you find that certain things that usually used to take you six months to do, now in a week it's done. Someone is catching this. This is for you. I'm declaring it for you. Some, you guys aren't okay. I'm declaring it for you. When you walk in the favor of God, things that took you six months to do now just take you a week because of acceleration. Amen? James 4 verse 6 says, but he gives us more grace. So they are measures of grace. He gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. That word oppose, it's almost like a military word. It's actually to arrange yourself in opposition to something. That's what the word oppose means. And there you are rebuking the devil, but it's God who's resisting you. Why? Because of pride. And that's why it's so crucial that we're not just praying, 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 going to all night prayer meetings and so on, but it's backfiring on us. Why? Because of the pride in our hearts. Amen? One of the key ways to get results in prayer is making sure you're walking in humility and brokenness because the Bible says he shows favor to the humble. So I don't have to just pray for favor. I just need to be humble. Amen? How many of you here are humble people? Don't raise your hand because immediately you might then be. <laughs> yes, I'm humble, Pastor. I'm a humble person. Ah, humility. Ah, that one, I've aced that one. Ah, Pastor, humility. I'm <laughs> me there. I'm first when it comes to humility. Humility. <laughs> okay. Lord, may you help us to walk in humility. Some translations say God resists the proud. He resists the proud. You see, their pride is short-circuiting the anointing. Their pride is short-circuiting the breakthrough. Amen? In Proverbs 3, verse 34, it says, He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. Humility is so key. So what does humility in prayer look like? 
I want to give you a picture of what humility looks like in the context of prayer. Not boasting in the flesh. Not boasting in the flesh. Philippians 3 verse 7 says, I once thought these things were valuable. This is Paul raving about all the things he used to do before. He's talking about all the things he used to do before. And he basically says, you know what? All the accolades I got, the fact that I was in this tribe, the fact that I was this Pharisee, the fact that I could do this and that, and I was so righteous in the eyes of many people. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Are you still relying on your accolades from before? We've all accomplished great things, haven't we? How do we view those great things in relation to knowing Christ? The sad thing for many Christians is those things are, are a close second. In fact, it's a photo finish. You know what I'm talking about, right? Because half the time, that's what they're talking about. Way more than they talk about what Christ has done. Amen? Paul here says that those things that I considered valuable, I now see them as worthless. And you know what that word worthless means? It's actually a mercantile term. It's like a bad deal resulting in a fine or a penalty. That deal was worthless. Okay? It speaks of loss. It speaks of damage. I now see all those great things I did as damaged goods. Isn't that powerful? So that was in the NLT. Let me read it in the Berean Bible. In Philippians 3, 7 to 8, same scripture. But whatever was an asset to me. How many accountants do we have here? Okay. Right? When, whenever, when, you, when you see Tendai and Q doing that together at exactly the same time, it's almost like choreography, you know, Chua, like this. Then you wonder what it's like at home, like, yeah, we're accountants, eh? we, just, we talk numbers, numbers are a thing, right? But whatever was an asset to me, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things as loss compared to the surpassing excellence of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. That's a sign of humility in prayer. You're no longer boasting in the flesh. You're no longer coming before God and you're so conscious of all the great things you've done. And by the way, when it says I consider them rubbish, it's a very strong word, isn't it? Okay, it's that, it's that word in the Greek, it's the word skubalon, and it literally means refuse. It literally means dung. It literally means dregs. It literally means table scraps that you would give to dogs. Although when I saw that, I know that, you know, um, there's certain table scraps you're not even supposed to give to dogs. Otherwise, they have a runny tummy and it's not good for them and that kind of thing. You guys know that. <laughs> okay. Isn't that powerful? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 28 to 31 says, God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that, one, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts Boast in the Lord. 
not in your flesh. In Matthew 5, verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In the NLT, it says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. How do we gain the kingdom of heaven? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Acknowledge your frailty before him. Amen. You see, you can pray as much as you want for God's blessing, but it may not come to you if you're not poor in spirit. Being poor in spirit is when you realize your absolute dependence on the Lord. Another picture, another portrait of humility is freedom from self-righteousness. Freedom from self-righteousness. When we come before God in prayer, we must be free from self-righteousness. In Luke chapter 18, verse 10 to 14, it says, Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. Now we laugh at that, but that's what we do. That's what we do. Because very often we want to feel confident when we come before God in prayer, so we start thinking of all the good things we've done. Amen? Because in our minds, we're thinking, that's what qualifies me. The only thing that qualifies us is the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. The name of Jesus, the fact that I'm praying in his name. Because the moment I'm starting to think of all my accolades, you know what God does? There's another mystery I'm sharing with you. It ties his hands. It ties his hands because he then says, okay, if you want to focus on your righteousness, Paul, and the fact that you did this for this person, and you gave this to this person, and that's your source of confidence... Let's not focus just on the good things you've done then. Let's apply it fairly across the board. Let's think of the bad things you've also done. Can you see where I'm going? So your self-righteousness never works when it comes to prayer. Because you cannot focus on your righteous deeds and not also focus on the negative stuff you've done. Amen? So if you want to go by the law, go by the law. But there's no breakthrough there. And that's why we all have to say, Lord... Were it not for you, where would I be? I'm now standing here because of the blood of Jesus. What we covered in communion, right? Because of the blood of Jesus. And I'm now praying in your name, not in mine. Because my name will never work. Amen? Self-righteousness does not work when it comes to prayer. Your righteous deeds should not be your source of confidence. Focus on his goodness Focus on his mercy. He says, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Lord, I'm a tither. Lord, we've just come out of this time of fasting and I know because I'm a good faster, I know that's why I'm going to get the breakthrough because of my good fasting. Jesus knows the kind of things that get our flesh into action. Amen? Right? But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. Let me say something about mercy. Mercy is something you obtain. It's something that's obtained. It's not just automatic. God, have mercy on me. Let us enter boldly, therefore, the throne of grace where we can receive mercy in time of need, but we have to enter boldly the throne of grace. It's an active process. 
What does Jesus say? I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all who exalt themselves, here's the principle, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Finally, brokenness. Brokenness. In Psalm 51 verse 17, it says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Sometimes your brokenness is a sacrifice, isn't it? You don't feel like it, but you know. God, you know what? I'm nothing. It's not always easy. It's a sacrifice. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. This is what I'm offering you. It often involves meekness. And God is attracted to it. That word broken means to shatter, to smash, to break into pieces, to hurt, to demolish. Lord, I'm giving you my demolished self because my demolished self is malleable. In other words, you can actually work with that, not my hardened self. For some of you, you still have to go through the school of brokenness. If you're that person who's always defensive, always fighting back, you still need to go through the school of brokenness. You can see a group of people, and it's not about how smartly they're dressed, how their hairstyles are, because you can have one person who on the outside looks really great, and you can even think they're proud, but they've been through the school of brokenness. And you can have another person who looks humble on the outside, but they haven't been through the school of brokenness. One of the keys to answered prayer is humility. That's where God's grace comes. God's favor comes. And one of the keys to humility, I've got a whole book on it. I, I think only a few people have read that book. There's a guy who read my book on humility. He literally said, I recommitted my life. A guy works for one of the banks where I was doing some work for. Says I, he read the book on humility, and he literally said, I recommitted my life after reading this book because I unpack what humility is. Some of the most confident, bold people are the most humble because they're not trying to compete with God. They're like, Lord, if your word says it, I'm confident about it. To us, they look bold and confident. Heaven is applauding because there's brokenness there. Amen? The school of brokenness. God wants to take us through the school of brokenness. And that's what humility look like, looks like. If you are still defensive and more worried about your image than the purposes of God, then you have not passed through the school of brokenness. Graduating from the school of brokenness will make your prayers more effective. In summary, I want to say to you, God is calling us to pray with the right motives, to place his kingdom first, whilst walking in brokenness and humility. Amen. Let's pray. While every head is bowed and every eye closed, I want to encourage you to keep making this declaration. Say after me, everyone, Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you're teaching me in the school of advanced prayer. I ask you to advance my prayer life. I desire to pray with the right motives. 
I choose to place your kingdom first. And I desire to walk in brokenness. And I desire to walk in humility. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you so much for this congregation and these precious people. And I ask, Father, that beyond the words that I've spoken, you may go where only your Holy Spirit can go. You may reach down to each of our hearts, Lord, and take us to a new level of prayer. Father, take us to a new dimension of advanced prayer. Search our hearts, Lord God, and cleanse us where our motives have been wrong. Father, take us to a deeper place of brokenness before you and humility before you and before our brothers and sisters that we may find favor with you. Father, show us what it looks like to seek first your kingdom. Show us what the kingdom of God would look like in our personal lives, in our decision-making, in our businesses, in our marriages. Show us what this looks like, God. We open our hearts to you now and we say, come and take us to our next level. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said, Amen. Hey, E-Family, online family, that was a great message, wasn't it? We really want to fill the globe with all this teaching. Our passion is to raise leaders and release reformers. So if you want to tap into more of these teachings, you can go to www.gochurch.co.za. And I think you'll really be refreshed and reformed as you go through our materials. Well, if you enjoyed that message, click subscribe and also share with your friends, with your enemies. Don't forget... We've got the live feed that takes place 9.30 every Sunday morning.